You may think that you've had the world's strongest coffee, but unless you've had the electric chair blend from Reaper's Brew, well then my friend, you have not had the world's strongest coffee. There have been days where I needed the energy and motivation to get going, whether it was to work on my podcast or just be productive in general, and Reaper's Brew Coffee definitely did wonders for me. To get some Reaper's Brew Coffee for yourself, just go to reapersbrew.com and receive 10% off of your first order when you enter in the coupon code UNKNOWNPOD. Again, visit reapersbrew.com and enter in the coupon code UNKNOWNPOD at checkout for 10% off of your first order. The night of December 11th into the morning of December 12th, 1992 had been an all-night party hop for 20-year-old Arnold Archambault his 19-year-old girlfriend, Ruby Bruyere, and Ruby's 17-year-old cousin, Tracy Dion. However, what had been a fun night of partying would come to a misfortunate end at approximately 6 a.m. when Arnold drove through an icy intersection in their hometown of Lake Andes, South Dakota, losing control and causing their car to flip upside down in a ditch. When the car came to a rest, Arnold was nowhere to be seen, and Ruby and Tracy were trapped inside the vehicle. Ruby managed to break free and get out, but for unknown reasons, left without helping her cousin Tracy. A short time later, a passerby noticed the overturned vehicle and came down to help Tracy. Arnold and Ruby, however, had disappeared. The couple would be missing for the next three months, when in March of 1993, the decomposed body of Ruby Bruyere was spotted in the ditch just a short distance from where the car had crashed. The next day after draining the ditch, Arnold's body was found just 15 feet away from where Ruby had been found. Their causes of death were determined to be exposure, but there would be factors that would call that ruling into question. How were they found so close by in an area that had been thoroughly searched after the accident. How was Arnold not in the same stage of decomposition as Ruby? And was there any truth to a supposed sighting of Arnold only a few weeks after the accident? This is episode 26 of the Still Unknown podcast, the deaths of Arnold Archambault and Ruby Bruyere. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Still Unknown podcast, a podcast about unsolved murders, disappearances, unexplained deaths, and other unsolved mysteries. I am Joe Schwartz, the host of the podcast, and in this episode, I will be talking about the strange circumstances surrounding the deaths of Arnold Archambault and Ruby Bruyere, which Unsolved Mysteries fans may remember being featured in the show's seventh season. It is a case that has stuck with many who remember the show, and it has actually since been officially closed by investigators since they could not determine any evidence that the couple died from anything other than the official ruling of exposure. However, there are some aspects of the case that still have some scratching their heads and wondering if the official ruling is indeed correct including the former county sheriff, who upon his retirement in 2011 
still expressed doubt about the case. So now, let's explore the case of Arnold Archambault and Ruby Bruyere. The car had stopped at an intersection of an otherwise deserted area on the edge of town. It was early in the morning, still some time before the sun would rise, and the three occupants inside the car had spent much of the night drinking, even the driver. It was dark, and the weather was a brisk 29 degrees. Despite his level of intoxication and the potential danger of icy roads, Arnold Archambault was still pretty confident in his ability to drive. The two passengers were Arnold's girlfriend, Ruby Bruyere, and Ruby's cousin, Tracy Dion. Arnold pressed his foot on the gas to cross the intersection, at which point his tires skidded across a patch of ice, causing him to lose control of the vehicle, which ended up flipping upside down into a ditch. As Tracy remembered, it had seemed to be at the snap of a finger that it had happened, and she and Ruby were trapped, and Arnold was suddenly gone. Ruby was screaming and slapping the roof of the car, but managed to free herself. Tracy then said that the door opened just enough for Ruby to squeeze through, but just as Tracy expected Ruby to reach in and try to help her, the door was shut and Ruby was gone as well. A while later, a passerby discovered the vehicle with Tracy still trapped inside. Paramedics came and rescued her, but Arnold and Ruby were still nowhere to be seen. It would be three months before they would be found, and there would be more questions than answers when they were. Arnold Archambault and Ruby Bruyere both grew up on the Yankton Sioux Indian Reservation in Lake Andes, South Dakota, and began dating in high school. The couple had a daughter together in 1991 they named Erica Marie, and Ruby would move in with Arnold where he was living with his aunt, Karen Tuttle. While the couple took responsibility for their child, they were still young and still liked to do what young people do. Arnold himself had a reputation of being someone who loved to quote-unquote party all night. Lake Andy's police chief, R.G. Savados, later said of Arnold, quote, I knew him really well. I've known him quite a few years. He's what you'd call a party animal, end quote. Savados would also say that despite Arnold's partying ways, he was a good person. Lake Andes is a small town with under 850 residents, which would be the kind of town where everyone knows everyone else. So I had the feeling that just because the police chief knew Arnold doesn't mean that he ever had any actual trouble with law enforcement. Nothing I was able to find on this case would indicate such a thing anyway. Arnold and Ruby were in a partying mood on December 11, 1992. It was a Friday night, and they knew people who would be doing some drinking and having a good time. So the couple left their young daughter in the care of Ruby's parents, Quentin and Myrtle Bruyere, 
and set out for the night, along with Ruby's 17-year-old cousin, Tracy Dion. Just before 6 a.m. the following morning, December 12th, the three returned to the home of Ruby's parents. Quentin greeted the trio outside and could see that they were all still intoxicated. He advised them to leave and come back a little later, when they had sobered up, to pick up Erica and sent them on their way, telling them to be careful. Shortly thereafter, the car would end up in the frozen ditch, where Arnold and Ruby would disappear, leaving Tracy trapped alone in the cold. Eventually, a passing motorist would spot the headlights of the upside-down vehicle and stop to help Tracy. While obviously upset, Tracy came away from the accident unharmed. In the meantime, attention would turn to what could have possibly happened to Arnold and Ruby. The immediate worry was that they could have wandered out onto an adjacent lake area and fallen through the ice. However, a search of the area showed no signs of such occurring. There was the possibility that the couple could have been picked up by another motorist, but there was still the question of why they would have left Tracy alone in the car without trying to help. Tracy later said on Unsolved Mysteries that if it had been the other way around, where she escaped the car and Ruby was still inside, she would never leave her. The case was baffling right from the start. There was no sign of the couple in the area and no leads on where they could be. There would be a potential sighting a few weeks after the accident. Someone who knew the couple claimed that she saw Arnold in the backseat of the car with three other occupants on New Year's Eve. I've seen conflicting accounts online or whether or not Ruby was with him as well. The witness would take a polygraph exam and pass, while it was said that the other occupants she saw all failed. Still, there would be no sign of the couple until the spring thaw. On March 10, 1993, a motorist was on his way to work at the Yankton Sioux Tribal Offices when he spotted something floating in the ditch near where the accident had occurred in December. He saw that it was a decomposed body and drove a half mile to a phone to call authorities. When it was determined that the body of Ruby Bruyere had been found in the same ditch that he had personally searched many times, police deputy Bill Youngstrom was completely dumbfounded. Robert Stack said in the Unsolved Mysteries segment that Youngstrom had made his search for the couple his own quote-unquote personal crusade, and that he felt that it was impossible for her body to have been missed. Authorities made the decision to drain the ditch, and the following day, March 11th, the body of Arnold Archambault was found just a few feet away from Ruby. His body, however, showed nowhere near the same level of decomposition that Ruby had. Both bodies showed no sign of foul play, and Minnehaha County Coroner Brad Randall ruled the deaths due to exposure. In his Unsolved Mysteries interview, Deputy Youngstrom said, quote, Death by exposure is like they froze to death. I cannot actually buy that. They may have froze to death, but they didn't freeze to death at that ditch. It's impossible that they could have been there the entire three months, 
I myself personally walked that ditch several times during that period. I've gotten written affidavits from people that have also watched, walked it, people that have nothing to do with the case. They couldn't have been there. They couldn't have been missed. End quote. Brad Randall also stated that the autopsy results indicated that it was most likely that Arnold and Ruby had died on December 12th, the day of the accident, but also left open the possibility that they hadn't been in the ditch the entire time, saying, quote, I'm not saying they did or didn't die elsewhere. I don't have any evidence to suggest that they did. Anything is possible, end quote. Wanting a second opinion on the autopsy, the sheriff's department sent the report to a lab in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They in turn found different results, although what those results were I couldn't find specified anywhere. And Deputy Youngstrom even admitted that he didn't know if they were important differences or not, and that it stated that exposure could still be the cause of death. Youngstrom wasn't investigating the case as a homicide, instead just trying to determine whether they had died if they hadn't been spotted in the ditch for three months, saying, quote, Somebody out there knows something, and I have to find that person. End quote. Youngstrom investigated the case tirelessly, following any lead he could come across, including traveling to Nebraska to interview former Lake Andy's residents. Some clues included a tuft of hair found along the road near where Ruby was found, which was determined to be her hair. A set of keys was found in Arnold's pocket, which were two house keys and a vehicle key. However, Youngstrom never found any house or vehicle for any of the keys. A witness also reported seeing two men in a blazer-type vehicle in the area of the ditch just a few hours before Ruby's body was discovered. None of these leads, however, revealed any further information. Unsolved Mysteries aired their segment on Arnold and Ruby's deaths in April of 1995. Youngstrom traveled to Burbank to be in the phone center at the time, and after the airing, some 25 to 30 phone calls came in offering tips in the case. Youngstrom investigated them all, but again found nothing further to go with. For the next four years, every avenue of investigation led nowhere, and in 1999, the case was officially closed due to no evidence indicating foul play. Two years after that, Ruby's father Quentin would die at the age of 62, having never learned the full truth in his daughter's death. This is a case that I remembered watching on Unsolved Mysteries and stuck with me, due mainly to the bizarre way in how it all unfolded. How did two people walk away from a car accident, abandoning their friend, go missing for three months, then turn up dead in the same ditch where they had crashed after it had been searched so many times? The common thought would be that they fell through the ice nearby and turned up due to the spring thaw, but the day of the accident there appeared to be no indication of a break in the ice anywhere for them to fall into. There is a theory that the couple could have been dazed when leaving the scene, which could explain the way Tracy was left behind, 
and they were picked up by a passing motorist. But if that's the case, what would you be doing with them for three months? Especially if Ruby dies rather quickly due to her being more decomposed than Arnold. Where and why are you keeping her body? It makes absolutely no sense to me. The coroner did rule that it was likely the two died the day of the accident, and you may wonder why Arnold was in more fresh condition. Arnold wasn't found until a day after Ruby, and only after the ditch had been drained. If he had fallen under the ice and gone deeper, that likely could be the reason he would be more preserved, due to being colder. I don't know if I put anything into the New Year's Eve sighting of Arnold. Yeah, the witness passed the polygraph, but that could just be an example of the witness strongly believing it was Arnold, and she had convinced herself of it. Most online discussion of the case, the common theory is that both Arnold and Ruby fell through the ice nearby at the time of the crash, and they were just somehow missed for three months. That may seem ridiculous, but it honestly makes as much sense as just about anything else that could have happened with them in this case. I do want to add that I was always taken aback by the fact that when Arnold, Ruby, and Tracy returned home intoxicated, Quinn's response was for them to return when they had sobered up. I guess by Arnold driving it off? I guess the thought was that they didn't want to return their young daughter to intoxicated parents, but it was before 6 a.m., it's likely the daughter would still be asleep. Why not let them in and give them coffee to sober up? Why send them back out onto the roads that were in potentially dangerous conditions? Forget about what could potentially happen actually happening for a minute, but what about the danger of Arnold being pulled over and getting arrested on a DUI? That was always an aspect of this case that bothered me, because it all could have been avoided. Quentin passed away nine years after the fact, and I'm sure he lived with the thought every day that if he could go back and change anything, it would be to let them sober up when they initially returned home. Even though the case was officially closed due to no evidence of foul play, many who were involved in the case still believe that Arnold and Ruby had died elsewhere and were dumped in the ditch by unknown parties. What do you believe happened? If you have any thoughts, I'd love to hear them. You can tweet at me at StillUnknownPod on Twitter or message me at StillUnknownPodcast on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. I want to thank everyone for listening, and thank you to everyone who has stuck around with me. I know how inconsistent I've been as far as how often I release episodes. I've had no real set schedule. Keep in mind that this is an independent podcast and that I am a one-man operation here. I truly love doing this podcast, but the way life is right now, it's hard to be able to work on it the way I would love to. I hope eventually I can get to a place where I'm able to be more consistent with my schedule. But for now, I truly appreciate all of the listeners who have shown support and are hanging in there with me. Thank you all so much for listening. 
And I'm closing this episode out with a promo from another podcast called True Crime Witch. So stay tuned for that, and I will talk to you next time. Stay safe, everyone. Good evening, friends. I'm Emma, the host of the True Crime Witch podcast. Join me every other week as we delve into everything murderous, mysterious, and downright macabre. You can find the podcast by searching the True Crime Witch podcast on all of your favourite podcast apps and search for us on social media just using the True Crime Witch. Hope to see you there. Remember friends, stay safe and stay spooky.